0: Beyond Illusion and Doubt, this is the Answers of Life podcast, and this is Hamsa and Natai. I am Natai, he is Hamsa, Uh. (laughs) for for clarification, (laughs) and we will be reading from Chapter 7 in regards to the teachings of Kierkegaard as they uh, compare to Vedic philosophy, um, which just means knowledge philosophy, the philosophy of knowledge from India. So, <clears throat> Chapter 7 Kierkegaard. The Danish philosopher Soren Kierkegaard, 1813 to 1855, is generally regarded as the father of existentialism. His concern with individual existence, choice, and commitment profoundly influenced modern Western theology and philosophy. Oh my God. Philosophy. <laughs> <coughs> Here, Srila Prabhupada challenges his idea that the deeply religious life must involve intense suffering. So I'll be reading as disciple. He'll be reading as Holiness Srila Prabhupada. So um, we're not going to say it each time. I don't think we'll just start reading. So I'm reading as the student who's explaining Kierkegaard's philosophy. He's reading as Prabhupada who is expressing how it differs from Vedic thought. Soren Kierkegaard, a devout Christian, believed that religious truth is not innate within man and that man must therefore receive this truth from God. But he thought that God would overawe us if he himself came to teach. Therefore, Kierkegaard said that God comes instead as his own servant in human form. For a Christian, this teacher is Jesus Christ.
1: Generally, people are on the animal platform. But when a person's consciousness becomes somewhat advanced, he can be educated in the understanding of God through the teachings of spiritual authorities that is the Vedic system. In the human form, the living entity is sometimes very inquisitive and wants to understand God. That inquisitiveness is technically called Brahma-jignasa, an interest in the absolute, which is possible only in the human form of life. Now, if one is actually anxious to know about God, he has to approach a guru, who is God's servant, and his representative Unless one approaches a bona fide guru, he cannot understand the nature of God or man's relationship with him. So accepting a guru is not a fashion but a necessity. However, a guru is not a person who simply manufactures gold through mystic power or juggles words just to attract foolish people and make money. An actual guru is one who is fully trained in the ocean of spiritual knowledge or Vedic knowledge vedic words are not ordinary material sound vibrations they are completely spiritual the Hari krishna maha mantra for instance is a purely spiritual sound once a person is fully trained in the ocean of spiritual sound he becomes a guru and is no longer interested in material life in fact the definition of the word guru is one quote one who is no longer interested in material things he has taken shelter of the supreme lord and his material desires have completely ceased one should approach such a bona fide guru surrender unto him serve him and then question him about god and our relationship with god
0: is kierkegaard correct in maintaining that man would be overawed if god as he is came to teach didn't krishna as he is come to teach the bhagavad-gita
1: Krishna came as he is, but people misunderstood him because he appeared as a human being. Consequently, they could not surrender to him. Therefore, Krishna came later as a devotee, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, to teach men how to approach God. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu taught the very same philosophy that Krishna taught in the Bhagavad Gita. But instead of coming as Krishna, Lord Chaitanya came as Krishna's devotee. Rupa Goswami appreciated Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as the most munificent incarnation because he gives not only Krishna, but also pure love of Krishna. Wow. Namo Mahavadanyaya Krishna Prema Pradayate In exchange for himself... Oh, this is the translation. I think. In exchange for himself... No, never mind. In exchange for himself, Krishna demands full surrender from the devotee. So it's not a just I will say this real quick. It's not a one way street. It's a two way street. You are surrendering all of your free will and in exchange you <coughs> are receiving surrenders to you. Yeah, God surrendering himself to you. So yeah. it's like it's more than an you know equal uh, It's also
0: why we want that in our relationships here. Because some part of us remembers that that's the goal. That's the relationship we're looking for.
1: Really powerful. powerful. Actually, I want to underline that. In exchange for himself, Krishna demands full surrender from the devotee. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, without making any demands, gave pure love of Krishna. Okay. So he gave it up first, and then you get it. Not expecting... Right. God, give he it to and the and I'll give it He up. changed
0: the <clears throat> situation.
1: Because we are all his sons and daughters, Krishna, the Supreme Lord, is affectionate towards us. He sees us rotting in this material <laughs> material world, and he comes himself, or he comes as his devotee, and leaves his instructions. Krishna is always anxious to enlighten the human beings and show them how to return back home, back to Godhead.
0: Kierkegaard thought that the ordinary man does not wish to have a personal relationship with God. Kierkegaard wrote, The truth is that there are no longer men living who could bear the pressure and weight of having a personal God.
1: <coughs> yes, a personal God makes demands, just as Krishna demands in the Bhagavad Gita, chapter 9, text 34. "Manmana mana bhava mad Bhakto, man mad, mad yaji mam namaskuru Mam evaishyasi yuktaivyam atmananam matparayana Atmanam matparayana Engage your mind always in thinking of me. Become my devotee, offer obeisances to me, and worship me. Being completely absorbed in me, and surely you will come to me. End of translation. This is God's demand. And if we carry it out, we attain perfection. Krishna clearly states here that when a devotee gives up his material body, he does not accept another, and he returns back to Godhead in his original spiritual body.
0: Kierkegaard observed three basic stages in life: the aesthetic stage, the ethical stage, and the religious stage. In the first stage, the aesthetic stage, or aesthetic stage, a person may be either a hedonist in search of sensual pleasure or an intellectual interested in philosophical speculation. Kierkegaard says that both are uncommitted. Neither has any ultimate goal in life.
1: How can a philosopher have no ultimate goal?
0: Kierkegaard says that people on this platform are not really philosophers, but simply mental speculators. They become bored with themselves, and their lives become empty of meaning and full of despair.
1: Despair is a result of impersonalism and voidism. Impersonalists and Voidists must necessarily be overcome by despair because they are always disgusted with their lives and because they do not know the goal of life. My God, he is just (laughs) ruthless. But it doesn't feel like... It's I just, mean, it's also it's just true. just stating fact. When people like, it's feel a like pessimistic there's a void, way of looking at it. Yeah. Right,
0: but when people feel that void, they feel <clears> people <throat> sure. often feel void. Like, that's the reason so many people are like, what's the point of this life? What's the point of me living? What's the point that's of this life? That's another like,
1: good thing we can talk about. That's the whole thing. Impersonalism versus person. It
0: feels good when, for a second when people tell themselves that, oh, there's no accountability for my actions. There's nothing after this anyway, so I might yep. as well just do whatever the fuck I want. But then as a result of there being no accountability for my actions, what are the point of my actions? Hence the void and feeling like what the hell is the point of existence? Why should I bother doing anything? Where's you know, and then, you know, you have this massive depression that sets in because we wanted to excuse ourselves from from the uh, implication that we are responsible for what we do. And then at the same time, that removal of the responsibility has actually ended up making us depressed as a society in general in a lot of ways.
1: You're trying to... Voidism, you're just trying to fill the void that we can talk about that. Uh And one of the things that... um, I know we're like going off, but this is why I'm making notes. In Wisdom of the Sages, they often talk about the God-shaped hole. Which I really love that analogy because since God is infinite, when you remove or try to remove the infinite from your life Mm -hmm. it creates the opposite which is also infinite and can only be satisfied by something that is infinite yeah you know god can fill the god-shaped hole nothing else can. yeah everything else you put in it's like a black hole it'll just suck it in anyway very true um okay when no one has when one has no goal he becomes disappointed, and that disappointment is the cause of despair.
0: Kierkegaard sees this despair as the first stepping stone toward self-realization, understanding that the aesthetic life ends in despair and hopelessness. A person abandons this type of life for the next stage.
1: We agree with this. After a person has worked very hard and still has not attained peace and prosperity, he may become disgusted and begin to inquire about self-realization. At this point, he may begin to ask, what is the purpose of life? As we have mentioned before, that inquisitiveness is called brahmajagnasana, inquiry into the ultimate truth of life. Such an inquiry is natural, and it is necessary for further development.
0: According to Kierkegaard, to attain self-realization, we must confront certain choices, We must become aware that life is an either-or proposition. Realizing this, we advance to the second stage, the ethical stage. At this point, we take an active part in dealing with life rather than aimlessly taking pleasure from life. We may act piously or attempt humanitarian deeds. Mm
1: -hmm. But what is the ultimate goal of these decisions? Why should people become moral simply to feed the poor and open hospitals?
0: For Kierkegaard, the important thing is not so much what one chooses, but that one makes the choice. Through choosing, one discovers his own integrity.
1: <clears throat> but it is not clear how a person can make the right decision. One man may choose to slaughter others, and another man may simply choose to help others. Or a man may give charity to others and yet at the same time encourage killing animals. For instance, on the one hand, Vivekananda advocated feeding the poor, but on the other hand, he suggested feeding them with Mother Kali's prashadam the flesh of bulls. So what kind of ethics is that? What is the value of ethics if it is based on imperfect knowledge? Damn. (laughs) Kierkegaard
0: did not give so much importance to the basis of the decision.
1: Jesus. But if one's decision is not based on truth, what is its value? You must go further than the mere making of decisions. You must know which is the proper decision to make. So I think he's really t- trying to yeah. hint at dharma. Well, yeah, but yeah. I
0: mean, how do you know what's right or wrong? Yeah, I mean, no, 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 you no, can't no, totally have, not it's, have a basis. Yeah. yeah, Kierkegaard would say that by turning inward, inward, you would naturally make the proper decision. This turning inward entails self-knowledge. Uh, write down dharma because I want to talk about dharma at some point in a dharma, future video. Just um, dharma is
1: And fine. also. Um, uh
0: basis for decisions is right
1: that. basis uh, yeah basis for decisions yeah for decisions but and the, then and then i'm going to put paramatma because okay, that's that where the decisions come from dharma
0: is something i want to talk about anyway so
1: yeah
0: it works <clears throat> all right
1: um oh me right mm-hmm. but what uh but of what value is that inwardness You may simply think, I will protect my brother by killing someone. What is the ethics involved? You must have some standard by which to make the right decision.
0: Kierkegaard's standard would be choose yourself.
1: But without knowing yourself, how can you choose yourself? And how can you know yourself unless you inquire from someone who knows the self and the Supreme Self perfectly? That means you must inquire from a bona fide spiritual master. Most people think they are their body. What kind of self knowledge is this? Yasyatma Budhi, kunape kunapetri datuke. If one thinks he is his body, he is no better than an ass. God
0: <laughs>
1: what is the value of an ass's philosophy?
0: Kierkegaard's philosophy emphasizes the act of deciding. The decision itself is not so important.
1: <clears throat> but unless we know the aim of life, how can we make the right decision? So, okay, I can see where both schools of thought are coming from. The thing is, Prabhupada is getting at, Kierkegaard isn't wrong that decisions are important. Mm-hmm. But there needs to be some basis for where the yeah. Where are you coming from? from with that? So Kierkegaard was like he, he's he's a shallow. And you're coming from a li- you're a coming from a
0: limited perspective if you're only basing it on your past experiences. Yeah, yeah. Humanity's what been if around had, for for so long. Yeah. What if you had the ability experience to gain changed. experience from all these other people, all these people who have gained some ma- matter of happiness. <clears throat> And it's a limited perspective because maybe you did something last year that's still working out for you. What happens if in two years it all crashes and burns because of some decision you made? The IRS mm-hmm. comes in and shuts everything down. Whatever. You know, whatever mm-hmm. example you want to use. All of a sudden you end up in prison because something you do is a little shady, but it seemed like it was working at the time. So it seemed yeah. like a good basis for your decisions. Well, what if something could have let you know that wasn't the best basis for your decision before it all came crashing down? Yeah. The point is we have a limited perspective. What's working right now may not work for entire for or eternity. Or it may only work for that individual. And it may only work right now for you, but it also may not work for you in five years. It may not work for your brother. It may not work for your friend. And,
1: and no decisions can be made. <clears throat> right. No decisions that affect society as a whole should be made based on individuals that are based right. in decisions on their own individual experience. Yeah. Because it's not going to be the same for everybody. Hope. And to Prabhupada, <clears throat> I think what he's getting at is the Dharma... If we all follow dharma, dharma lays out clear rules and guidelines as to what is and what is not acceptable. And then that is something that people can draw their, you know.
0: We'll get into that more when we talk about dharma.
1: Okay. Um, Okay. But unless we know the aim of life, how can we make the right decision? It is simply childish to say that by choosing either this or that, we become enlightened. A child chooses this or that. Sometimes he plays with one toy and sometimes with another. But where is his enlightenment? Animals also make decisions. The ass decides to eat a morsel of grass and work all day carrying a load of laundry. If the basis of our decision is not important, then why not decide for unrestricted sense gratification?
0: Kierkegaard would say that unrestricted sense gratification leads to boredom and ultimately to despair.
1: But if you think that sense gratification is the aim of life, then it does not bore then it is not boring to you. If you choose according to your whims, you can make any decision.
0: Kierkegaard would say that we should choose not by whim, but by an inward, objective, passionate search. Then the truth will naturally emerge.
1: But a Bowery bum may make a passionate decision to purchase a bottle of whiskey as soon as he gets some money. Kierkegaard (laughs) would (laughs) Kierkegaard
0: would say that in his decision, there is no commitment to a higher ethic. There is simply the desire for sense gratification. If his decision were made on the ethical level, he would take up a good cause and act on that basis. But that's what he's talking about. What is the higher ethic? What is yes. the basis? That's what Prabhupada's trying yeah, to get Yeah, he's running in circles. circles. Yeah. He's like, oh, but it has but, to be higher ethic. What yeah. higher but, ethic? <laughs> what but, ethic? <laughs> but
1: such good causes are relative. You may consider one thing to be a good cause, and I may consider another. Who will ultimately decide? To that Bowery bum, that bottle yeah. of whiskey is a hell of a good cause. Yeah, exactly. So who are you to say that that is it's not It's a
0: passionate it? decision on his part. <clears throat> Kierkegaard believed that if we begin to anticipate death, we will make the right decisions. In other words, we should act in such a way that we consider each act to be our last. In this way, he believed the truth will emerge.
1: I mean, that's pretty...
0: It's true, except what happens if I'm like, you know, what I really want to murder someone my whole life, and if they, this might be my last moment, I'm might kill you, and then yeah. just die. Like, they're, they're, but again, there's still something beyond death because just death itself could make you act like an asshole and not care about anybody else, do whatever you want, because like I could die any we moment. to
1: look at the murder suicide. Right. Kind of. Yeah, behavior that kind of behavior. That's
0: like that's like the the that's the extreme of what he's talking yeah. about. But that doesn't that's not if you can go to the extreme and it's that bad, then it doesn't it's not yeah. fully there. There's yeah. something still missing. But it's a little better than just saying what he's been. There's a little less circular reasoning there, but.
1: No, for sure. Every man should think, I do not wish to die, but death is overcoming me. What is the cause of this? What should I do? No one wants to die, but death overcomes everyone. No one wants to be diseased, but diseases are inevitable. These are real human problems that cannot be solved simply by making some whimsical decision. Mm. We should decide, I do not wish to suffer, but suffering is coming upon me. Now I must find a solution to this problem. This is the real decision we have to make. We must decide to put a permanent end to suffering, to birth, old age, disease, and death. We should understand that the body exists for a few years and then is doomed to perish. We should also understand that the body is external and that we should not make our decisions on the basis of the body. Rather, we should make our decisions on the basis of the soul. For
0: Kierkegaard, Mm. the third and highest stage of life is the religious stage, On this platform, a man submits himself to God and obeys God totally.
1: In other words, this is the stage of Krishna consciousness. We agree that Krishna consciousness is the topmost stage of life.
0: Kierkegaard thought that in the religious stage, there is intense suffering, suffering comparable to that of Job.
1: Why is this? If one is Krishna conscious, why should he suffer?
0: Kierkegaard was a Christian, and he emphasized the importance of suffering. The Bible says that Christ suffered for our sins, and Kierkegaard believed that the process of overcoming sin involves suffering.
1: But that is a wrong theory. If Christ is God or the Son of God, why should he suffer? What kind of God is subjected to suffering? Why should either God or man suffer? The whole point is that if there is suffering, you must put an end to it.
0: For Kierkegaard, religious commitment is
1: epitomized Epitomized
0: by inward suffering
1: no suffering arises because we identify with the body when a person's car is damaged in an automobile accident he may not actually be injured but because he identifies himself with matter with his car he suffers oh my car Mm -hmm. so expensive similarly the spirit soul is riding within the car of the material body and because the spirit soul identifies himself with the body He suffers when the body is injured or becomes sick or dies. But because the Krishna conscious man is always in full knowledge and is always transcendental to the material world, he never suffers. Whether we suffer or not depends on our knowledge. So I guess the perspective. Mm -hmm. When you have the knowledge, your perspective on the situation comes to the place where Kierkegaard is trying to say, that deep introspection, and then you understand, this isn't happening to me, it's happening to my body. Yeah and i'm not really suffering my body is experiencing suffering but that also is temporary just as the The pleasure pleasure that i'm going to experience is also temporary
0: but don't penance and austerity involve suffering
1: but doesn't okay no for one advanced in knowledge there is no suffering of course, there may be some bodily pain, but a person in knowledge understands that he is not the body. Therefore, why should he suffer? He thinks, let me do my duty, Hare Krishna. That is the advanced stage of Krishna consciousness. Suffering is due to ignorance.
0: But don't we have to give up bodily comforts to serve God?
1: Rupa and Sanatan Goswamis were high government ministers, but they abandoned their material opulence to bestow mercy upon the common people. So they wore only loincloths and slept under a different tree every night. Of course, foolish people might say that they were suffering, but actually they were merged in the ocean of transcendental bliss. They simply engaged their minds in thoughts of Krishna's pastimes with the gopis, and from day to day they wrote books about these pastimes. There was no question of their suffering, although a fool may think, oh, these men were ministers, high government officials, and they were so comfortable with their families and homes and money, now they have no home, and they are going about in loincloths, eating very little. A materialist would think the Goswamis were suffering, but they were not suffering. They were enjoying.
0: Many of the Christian monks and ascetics mm-hmm. emphasized suffering. They thought to abandon worldly life means to abandon pleasure pleasure, and take on suffering. And they
1: wonder why people don't want to get on board with that. <laughs> yeah. Actually, you know what's really fascinating? Um... My mom, when I was homeschooling, had me read a book on St. Francis uh-huh. of Assisi. Assisi? Yeah, St. Francis of Assisi. He was really, really fascinating. Like one of those old monks from, I don't remember what year he lived, but it was like a long time ago. And he had some super deep spiritual revelations. And uh-huh. I actually have always admired St. Francis. Um. But... uh. Yeah, anyway, because he, he, like the Goswamis, he grew up in, like, this really rich yeah. uh, Italian noble family, and then he ended up... Well, politically,
0: you know, the idea that suffering is what you have to do, <clears throat> politically, that allowed things to go on that they wanted to go on. Because yeah. religion has been used to control people yeah, in the past. Yeah. So that was probably taken to such an extent mostly for political reasons. Oh, yeah. Just from looking at it from just, like, a what it, historical, strategically yeah. strategically, historical, strategic... Um, so that viewpoint, that there was a reason for that. Then the common people, when they were yeah. suffering, like, oh, it's okay though, because for it's God, it's okay, okay we get yeah, mistreated because it's for God, the, the, yeah,
1: you know, the bourgeois, because yeah, yeah. <clears throat> this shows that they have a poor fund I'm sorry, you read many of the Christian monks yes.
0: and ascetics emphasized suffering. They thought to abandon worldly life means to abandon pleasure and take on suffering. suffering.
1: This shows that they have a poor fund of knowledge. They have developed this philosophy after the demise of Jesus Christ. It is more or less concocted.
0: Aside <clears throat> aside from suffering, Kierkegaard emphasized the importance of love in the religious life. In his book Works of Love, Kierkegaard considered God to be the hidden source of all love. He wrote A man must love God in unconditional obedience and in adoration. It would be ungodliness if any man dared to love himself in this way or dared to permit another man to love him in this way. You must love God in unconditional obedience, even if that which he demands of you may seem injurious to you. For God's wisdom is incomparable with respect to our own.
1: That is also the instruction of the Bhagavad Gita. God demands that we give up all of our plans, as well as the plans of others, and accept his plan. Manikam Aham Sarva Moksha Moksha yishyasmi Masucha Mashucha. Abandon all varieties of religion <coughs> Excuse me. and just surrender unto me. I shall <coughs> deliver you from all sinful reactions, do not fear. Bhagavad Gita, 1866. If we depend on Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, he will guide us back to him.
0: In defining love, Kierkegaard said, Love is a matter of conscience, and hence it is not a matter of impulse and inclination, nor is it a matter of emotion, nor a matter for intellectual calculation. Christianity really knows only one kind of love, spiritual love.
1: <clears throat> yes. Yes. Love in the material world is impossible because in the material world, everyone is interested only in his own sense gratification. The love experience between a man and a woman is not actually love, but lust. Because both parties are interested only in their own sense gratification. Love means that one does not think of his own sense gratification, but the sense gratification of his beloved. That is pure love. But that pure love is not possible in the material world. When we speak of love in the material world, we are actually misusing the word. Lustful desires take the place of real love. Wow. <clears throat> but we do not see examples oh, but we do see examples of pure love in the Vedic descriptions of Vrindavan village. There are the men, women, animals, fruits, flowers, water, and everything else exist only for the sake of loving Krishna. They are not interested in any return from Krishna. Now that is real love. Anya bilashita shunyam. On the other hand, if we love God with some motive, that is material love. Pure love means that we are simply interested in satisfying the desires of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Thus, real love, individual, collective, or any other kind, applies only to God. Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, is the supreme object of love. And this love can be expressed through admiration, service, or friendship. Or we can love him as our child or conjugal lover. There are five basic <coughs> relationships express, expressing true love of God.
0: <coughs> For Kierkegaard, <coughs> love of God is the decisive factor, and from it stems love of our neighbor. He wrote, If you love God above all else, then you also love your neighbor, and in your neighbor every man. To help another man to love God is, to truly, is truly to love the other man. To be helped by another man to love God is truly to be loved
1: oh wow i like that that's quote. good <clears throat> that's a good one you're all right kirk regard you're <laughs> all right
0: he just didn't have a good reason why people should care about that. Yeah. Like it was like he like that's the great philosophy. Like, how did you come to that conclusion? There's, a, there's something. Missing his there.
1: conclusion is right, but it's like how he I'm got there clear. is very murky. He, didn't, he, didn't, <laughs> he very, didn't show his specs. no. He didn't show his work. <laughs> he didn't show his work. <laughs> he just had,
0: he had the he equation. Had there and he cheated.
1: Like, he looked at the answer key. didn't know how to get the work. Okay. Yeah, and he got just you. kind of made some stuff up in between.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like this is not the work. <laughs>
1: this is not the way (laughs) this is the basis of our Krishna consciousness movement we are learning how to love God so we're not skipping ahead to the answer key Uh we are learning how to love God and we are teaching the same principle to the whole world if love of God is taught by a religion that religion should be considered first-class be it Christian Hindu Muslim or whatever the test of a religion is this Quote, damn, this is his test for the test of a religion is this, have the followers learn how to love God. (laughs) God is the center of love and since everything is God's expansion, the lover of God is a lover of everyone. A lover of God does not discriminate by thinking only man should be loved and given service, no, He is interested in all living entities, regardless of the forms in which they happen to be existing. A lover of God loves everyone, and his love reaches everyone. When you water the root of a tree, you are nourishing all the parts of the tree, the trunk, the branches, the twigs, and leaves. When you give food to the stomach, you are satisfying the entire body. And when you love God, you love everyone and everything. Soren Kierkegaard
0: lamented the disintegration of Christianity as an effective form of worship and considered modern Christendom to be a kind of sickness, a corruption of Christ's original message.
1: <clears throat> oh, sorry. Christianity is Christianity. You cannot call it modern or ancient, nor can you say God is modern or ancient. Either a person is a Christian or he is not. In other words, either he follows the orders of Christ or he doesn't. If he does not follow the tenets of his religion, how can he claim to to belong to that religion? This is applicable to all religions. For instance, there are so many so-called Hindus who do not believe in anything, yet they consider themselves Hindus and Brahmanas. This is insulting.
0: Concerning the purpose of prayer, Kierkegaard wrote in his journals, The true success in prayer is not when God hears what is prayed for, but when the person praying continues to pray until he hears what God wills.
1: This guy was on to a few things here, you know. <laughs> yes, that is very nice. Through prayer, one becomes qualified to understand God, to talk with God and to receive his directions, as stated in the Bhagavad Gita, 10.10. Satata satatayuktanam bhajatam priti purvakam dadhami buddhi-yogamtam yenamam upayantite. Translation to those who are constantly devoted to serving me with love, I give the understanding by which they can come to me. <clears throat> our ultimate goal. So that was 1010. 10. I'm putting that here because that's a nice little reference to uh I give oh, our ultimate goal is to give up this material world and go back home back to Godhead. Prayer is just one form of service. There are nine kinds of devotional service that we can perform. As explained by Prahlad Maharaj in the Srimad Bhagavatam Canto seven chapter five text twenty three Shravanam Kirtanam Vishnu Smaranam archanam Vandanam Atmanivedanam Translation Hearing about the transcendental name, form, qualities, paraphernalia and pastimes of the Lord, chanting about these things, remembering them, serving the lotus feet of the Lord offering the Lord respectful worship with incense, flowers, water, and so on, offering prayers to the Lord, becoming his servant, considering the Lord one's best friend, and surrendering everything unto him. These nine activities constitute pure devotional service. Excuse me. Whether you perform all nine processes, or some of them, or only one of them, you can progress in spiritual life. For example, when a Christian Mm -hmm. or a Muslim offers prayers, his service is as good as the Hindu service to the deity in the temple. God is within, and when he sees that we are sincerely serving him, he takes charge and gives us directions by which we can swiftly approach him. God is complete in himself. He is not hankering after our service, but if we offer him service, we can become purified. When we are completely purified, we can see God and talk with him. We can receive his instructions personally, just as Arjuna did in the Bhagavad Gita.
0: For Kierkegaard, faith in God develops when the soul is willing to stand transparent before God in his full integrity.
1: standing transparent before God means engaging in God's service but to engage in God's service we must understand that we are his parts and parcels. Just as each of the body each part of the body engages in the service of the entire body so every living entity is meant to engage in the service of God Krishna. As soon as you engage in Krishna's service you are self-realized. That is Mukti, liberation from the miseries of material life. The fruitful workers, mental speculators, and yogis are trying to realize the self, but because they are not engaged in rendering service to the Supreme Self, Krishna, they are not liberated. We are therefore teaching Krishna consciousness for the ultimate self-realization of everyone.
0: But Kierkegaard sees self-realization arising out of the expression of the will. He thought that the more self-realized a person is, the more powerful is his will, and the better he is able to make proper decisions.
1: But if you are a part and parcel of the whole, you have to take decisions from the whole. You cannot make your own decisions. The finger does not make decisions for the entire body. The only decision you have to make is the decision to serve Krishna. The orders come from him. Krishna ordered Arjuna to fight, and at the end of the Bhagavad Gita, Arjuna decides to abide by Krishna's will. And he massacres them. Just FYI, spoiler alert. This is the only choice we have, either to abide by Krishna's will or to defy his will. And if we decide to obey Krishna or his representatives, make, after we decide to obey Krishna, Krishna or his representatives make all the other decisions.
0: Then what is the meaning of full will?
1: Full will means to surrender to Krishna fully, to obey the orders of the Supreme absolutely.
0: Concerning despair, Kierkegaard thought that despair can actually bear fruit and that it can lead to one, to a desired genuine life of self-realization. In other words, despair can be a springboard to higher consciousness.
1: <clears throat> In Sanskrit, this is called nirasham, nirasham paramam shukam, sukham. When one despairs, that is great happiness. When a person despairs, it means that everything is finished. All responsibility is gone and he is relieved. Out of despair, Arjuna was thinking of becoming a mendicant. When we despair of all happiness in material life, we may then turn to the spiritual life. Sometimes Krishna smashes all of our material resources. Yup, it's actually a blessing. Sometimes Krishna smashes all of our material resources so that out of despair, we may fully engage in his devotional service. In other words, when we want to become God-conscious, but at the same time, out of strong attachment, we want material enjoyment, Krishna will sometimes wreck us materially. At such times, we often think that he is being unkind to us and we despair. We don't realize that this is Krishna's mercy, that he is removing all impediments so that we can fully and absolutely surrender. Once Indra, the Lord of Heaven, was forced to take on the body of a hog and he had to come down to earth as that lowly animal. As a hog, Indra had a hog wife, hog children, and so on. After some time, Lord Brahma came down and told him, My dear Indra, you were once the Lord of Heaven. You once possessed great opulence. Now that you are a hog, you have forgotten your previous exalted position. Please leave this filthy life and come with me. Yet, despite Brahma's pleadings, Indra was not convinced. He said, Why should I go with you? I'm very happy. I have my wife, children, and home." Seeing that Indra had become very much attached to his hog existence, Brahma began to kill all of his hog children. Finally, Brahma killed Indra's hog wife. When Indra saw that his wife and children were killed, he despaired. Oh, you have killed my whole family. Only then did Indra agree to go back to the heavenly kingdom with Lord Brahma. I mean, yeah, it's a messed up thing to do, but at the same time, Lord Brahma is seeing it as you're neglecting your duty. hmm uh-huh maintaining the kingdom of heaven thereby you're actually causing suffering to so many more people and thereby plus he didn't
0: kill anybody's soul it's not possible all he did was kill the body that they're in they'll go to another body it's not
1: similarly krishna sometimes creates a situation in which the living entity will despair and out of despair turn to him and finally or and fully surrender to him
0: i wanted to say here krishna will sometimes wreck us materially you read that Um, At such times we often think he's being unkind to us and we despair you know, sometimes, like if you're a drug addict and someone forces you to stop, like you can't have your drugs, you feel like everyone's against you. But if you manage to get clean, yeah, you, you realize, feel complete, oh, oh wow, it's actually for actually, my benefit. Yeah. So sometimes the suffering is something we, you know, you just have to work in your way our it. short-sighted because means, we don't know we the think, we can't uh, see we can't, all of
1: it. Yeah, we can't see big picture. Yeah.
0: Okay. So faith grows out of despair.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, to strengthen our faith in God, we have to give up all hope of happiness or distress in this material <clears throat> world, life. We have to despair of material happiness.
0: Concerning individuality, Kierkegaard wrote, God is the origin and wellspring of all individuality. This individuality is the gift of God through which he permits me to be, and through which he permits everyone to be.
1: <clears throat> this idea is explained in the Kata Upanishad, 2.2.13. Nityo Nityanam Chaitanas God is a living being and we are also living beings. Just as he is eternal, we are also eternal. But the difference is that whereas qualitatively we are the same, quantitatively we are different. God is infinite and the living entities are infinitesimal. Therefore, all the living entities are being maintained by God. We are all individual and eternal parts of God. So our natural position is to serve him and to love him.
0: Kierkegaard thought that each of us is in a constant state of becoming.
1: <coughs> becoming what? What is the goal? The goal is Krishna. <coughs> Thus the Bhagavad Gita, 7-7. Krishna says, Mataparataram Nanyat, Dananjaya, Mayi Sarvam Idamprotam, Sutremani Ganaiva." Translation. O conqueror of wealth, there is no truth superior to me. Everything rests upon me as pearls are strung on a thread. Krishna is the ultimate truth, the ultimate goal, and complete completeness means coming to Krishna consciousness.
0: But even when one is fully Krishna conscious and in association with Krishna, isn't there still a process of becoming?
1: No, <clears throat> The becoming process ends. There are, however, spiritual varieties. Everything is complete in the spiritual world, but the living entity enjoys varieties of service to Krishna. Sometimes he sees Krishna as a cowherd boy, Oh, wow. I asked my dad this question the other day. Everything. Isn't it interesting how, like, when you have these questions sometimes or, like, or how I bring up the story that Mammy had been... Like, sometimes yeah, yeah, yeah. it's, like, there's this underlying, like... Yeah, you're hearing like, what Krishna you need to hear. Like, Krishna sitting there saying, hey, 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 I'm yeah. trying to give you... The, He's like, letting you know what to wow. pay attention to by yeah. showing it to you over I literally over asked my dad yeah. this question yesterday. I was, like, you know... Anyway. Sometimes he sees Krishna as a cowherd boy, sometimes as Yasoda's child, sometimes as Radharani's consort, sometimes Krishna is in Vrindavan, sometimes in Mathura. There are many spiritual varieties, but everything is complete in itself. There is no question of becoming. One reaches the point where he is simply enjoying variety, that's all.
0: What is the difference between enjoying spiritual variety and enjoying material variety?
1: It is artificial to try to enjoy material variety. Material variety is like a plastic flower. A plastic flower has no aroma, so the enjoyment of a plastic flower cannot be the same as the enjoyment of a real flower. It is not satisfying. It is simply artificial, a bluff.
0: Whereas Hegel emphasized or Hegel emphasized speculative thought, Kierkegaard emphasized action. Kierkegaard saw freedom in proper action.
1: Yes, spiritual life means proper action. It is improper to think that when we attain the perfectional stage, we become inactive. That is impersonalistic. Mayavada theory. Mayavadis contend that the living entity is like a jug. A jug makes some sound only as long as it is not full of water. Similarly, the Mayavadis say when we become spiritually full, we are silent or inactive. But from the Bhagavad Gita, we understand that the soul is never inactive. Mm. I really have a hard time reading Prabhupada's books without some kind of pen or something to hide because I always want to go back and reference Uh it and then I'm like, oh, where did I see that at? When inactivity is recommended, this simply means that we should not speak or act foolishly. But, Uh or If we cannot talk intelligently, we had better stop talking. But you cannot equate that inactivity with perfection.
0: Kierkegaard felt that truth is relative and subjective. He thought we could discover truth through personal, individual reflection, which he called inward passion.
1: Truth is truth, and it is absolute. You may manufacture many relative truths, but the absolute truth is one. If you have no knowledge of the absolute truth, you emphasize relative truths. You may have inward inward passion or whatever, (laughs) but if you do not know the ultimate goal, you may be misled. It is all right to say that passion leads to truth. But passion means activity. Where, is, where will your activity end? What is the purpose of your activity? You may drive your car, but if you do not know where to go, what is the point? You are simply wasting your energy. Of course, you may say, I do not, I do not know where to go, but that doesn't matter. Simply let me start my car and go. But <laughs> is this a very good proposal?
0: For Kierkegaard, it is not what is done that counts, but how it is done.
1: This is a dog's obstinacy. <laughs>
0: This is the kind of subjectivity that is always uncertain, and uncertainty creates anxiety.
1: Yes. <clears throat> One who does not know life's aim will always be in an anxiety.
0: For Kierkegaard, this anxiety and uncertainty are dispelled by what he called the leap of faith. I had this discussion with a co worker actually where they kept coming back to, you, well, you just have to have faith. And I'm like, that's fantastic, but it doesn't work. also as logical as the world is when you scientifically explain things logically like there's some value in all these science things we've done we've made advance certain technological these advancements electronical advancements and you see that you can logically figure these things out and then then it it works in the real world then it also is, if we can logically do these things there is a logical explanation for the universe. For why would God who created the universe not also be logical and have a logical explanation for why everything is the way it is? Yeah,
1: no. Why course. would he
0: have an illogical explanation but the, most of his creation is logical?
1: Yeah, but the, except for a couple of
0: things that we don't know enough about or can't go deep enough because we don't know where to reference, we say, well, you just have to have faith then. But everything else is logical. But that one's like, well, you're just going to have to trust us on that one. And like you can say the same thing about almost anything because well, you can't purely... prove everything in this lifetime. So you could almost say yeah. that everything is like there's some element of faith, but it shouldn't be blind faith. Well, even the there should be enough other having... things that you're like, okay, this is right, this is right, this is right, this is right, and I can ascertain that all these things are true. And if all this other stuff flies... is true, then maybe this one other thing that they're also adding in that I can, you know, maybe believe that's true too. And that's like faith, but it's not blind faith. Yes, it's, yeah, intelligent, yeah. Faith. it's, it's like, intelligent faith. It's like okay, all this faith. adds up. I'll take that. Or like
1: away. he said, he said. Um... <laughs> I think it was in self-realization you were reading right yeah. last week mm-hmm. <clears throat> and he was talking about oh you know logic right
0: mm. yes right logic yeah, yeah so was in here. if yeah. The
1: if the question. universe around you can be explained scientifically through logic and reason mm-hmm. and you can also logically because that's the thing is Prabhupada says this Krishna consciousness she says what's the difference between right that reporter or him him or her it was mm-hmm. a him, right? It was a like, him Mike Robinson. Yeah, what yeah. you know, what is uh, what was it that he said? Oh, what's the difference between your religion and, and yeah. Christianity? And he Prabhupada said it's not a question of religion, it's a question, question of... of science. Yep. This is a science. We're scientifically, yep. analytically, logically answering and drawing conclusions from the experience that anyone can, can have. Anyone that tries the process. Can experience the same
0: thing. Yep, he says there is. Prabh- Prabhupada says there is no other way. If you are not arguing on the basis of logic, then you are not rational.
1: Yeah,
0: um, and that that's part of a whole conversation. But then, and we read it last time. But then. Um, He says, then Mike Robinson later asks, but if I understand you correctly, you seem to be educating people on a purely scientific basis. Where does religion come into it at all? Mm -hmm. Prabhupada then says, religion also means science. People have wrongly taken religion to mean faith.
1: Quote, Mm -hmm.
0: I believe, end quote. Then to someone on the side, look up the word religion in the dictionary. And they say, under religion, it says, recognition of superhuman control or power Recognition of superhuman control or power and especially of a personal God entitled to obedience and affecting such recognition with the proper mental attitude. Mm. And Prabhupada said, yes, religion means learning how to obey the supreme controller. So you may be Christian and I may be Hindu. It does not matter. We must both accept that there is a supreme controller. Everyone has to accept that. That is real religion. Not this, we believe animals have no soul. That is not religion. Like that, We believe this. Okay, well, because I, I agreed with you, then I have to believe that too. It's like, well, hold on. Like, where's the logic? Why do we believe that? Yeah. Is there a logical? Okay, now I believe it.
1: Yeah, Where yeah, is yeah. the
0: logical explanation for why I should believe it? Not I believe you on two. Like, you know, like it's, it, and he's just, you know, the blind faith is what is being discussed.
1: Well, in the he says, Gita, he that is most that unscientific. Are, uh, right?
0: Religion means scientific understanding of the Supreme Controller. To understand the Supreme Controller and obey him, that is all. In the state, the good citizen is he who understands the government and obeys the laws of the government. Mm -hmm. And the bad citizen is the one who does not care for the government. So if you become a bad citizen by ignoring God's government, then you are irreligious. And if you are a good citizen, then you are religious. And at some point in here, he also makes a comment of like, you cannot believe in the government all you want if you break enough rules. They're still you're coming still for you gonna and you're still going to
1: pay for yeah, it. You're, yeah, they're going to make you pay. Just because you say. You oh, cannot yeah, believe
0: in the IRS yeah, and not pay okay. your taxes. At some point, they'll catch up to you and you're going to pay your taxes. Okay, but that's the way it works, whether you believe it or not. <laughs> Al Capone, <Yeah>. baby. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you I believe it. <laughs> I
1: told that to Shruti the other day. I don't remember how it came up in conversation. <sighs> I said, oh, she made some comment about, and then I work, and then I'll have to pay my taxes. And I said, "Then, and I said, uh, there's two things that are certain in life. Death and, taxes. Death and IRS. Death and taxes, baby. You yep. will pay them. All right. So you read, For Kierkegaard, this anxiety and uncertainty are dispelled by what he called leap of faith. Yep. When you're editing, put in the Assassin's Creed. Uh, leap of <laughs> uh, Okay. Shaila Prabhupada. Yes but you must make your leap towards a goal unless you know the goal well that i guess that leap of faith
0: right what happens if you leap the wrong direction yeah like where is that going to get you unless what happens if you leap the wrong end off the diving yeah. board towards the cement instead of the pool yeah like you need to know yeah, which direction it, you're yeah. jumping off yeah. of that doesn't work jesus <laughs>
1: There should be a pile of leaves or grass that some poor hapless peasant swept under here. It will be there because I see bird droppings here.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, God. That's a crazy. leap of faith. you jump off the wrong building like that, you wouldn't be coming back from it.
1: Kirk, uh, oh, wait. Yes, but you must make your leap towards a goal. Unless you know the goal, the fixed point, your action and energy may be misdirected. Yep.
0: <laughs> yep. <laughs> Kierkegaard saw the goal as God. He felt that after passing through the aesthetic and ethical stages of life, we should then use all our energy to reach God through Jesus Christ.
1: That is a good position. That is our process, to approach God through the bona fide spiritual master, but it is not necessary to pass through any lower stages. If you can reach God through Jesus (coughs) Christ, why not take to God immediately? Our process is that you must surrender yourself to the spiritual master in order to understand the highest truth. In the Bhagavad Gita, chapter 4, text 34, Krishna says, Tad vidhi Translation, Just try to learn the truth by approaching a spiritual master. Inquire from him submissively and render service unto him. Self-realized souls can impart knowledge unto you because they have seen the truth. End quote. This is the process. It is not that we continue on our own way, hoping to take the right path through experience. Mm-hmm. That's an, that about that, that earlier. is the foolish way of doing it, right?
0: Yeah, that's what we were talking about earlier a little bit. Hopefully I We've will find my We've got seven minutes to an hour, by the way. So
1: okay. Let's... If you do not know the right direction, your endeavors will be frustrated. This material world is like a vast ocean, and in the middle of the vast ocean, you do not know where to direct your ship. If you simply have a ship without a captain, you will go one way and then another and simply waste your energy. A captain is needed to give direction. That captain is the guru. If Kierkegaard accepts Christ, then he is accepting some guidance.
0: Kierkegaard felt that the directions of God are expressed through scripture and the individual conscience. In his journals, he wrote, there is a God, his will is made known to me in holy scripture and in my conscience.
1: That's all right. (laughs) But to know God's will, you need more than that. Besides following the holy scriptures, and your conscience, you have to associate with saintly persons and follow the instructions of the bona fide spiritual master, sadhu, shastra, guru, guruvakya, chitete kariya aikya. We can approach God by understanding a saintly person, sadhu, studying the Vedic scriptures, shastra, or Bible, holy books, whatever, and following the instructions of the bona fide spiritual master. Excuse me. Sadhu, Shastra, and Guru corroborate one another. A sadhu is he who talks and acts in terms of scripture, and the Guru is a sadhu who personally teaches his disciples according to the scripture. A Guru cannot manufacture words that are not in the scripture. When we receive instructions from all three, we can progress perfectly in our understanding of the Supreme Personality of Godhead.
0: Kierkegaard thought that because God sees everything as equally important and equally insignificant, he can only be interested in one thing, obedience.
1: Yes, and God demands that full obedience. sarva dharmam mamikam sharanam braja Our primary obedience should be to the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and we should obey the spiritual master because he is the representative of God. If a person carries out the orders of God, he can become a bona fide spiritual master or guru. A guru does not manufacture anything. He simply represent he simply presents what God speaks in the scriptures. It is not that we accept just anyone's proclamation about God. <coughs> Statements must be corroborated by the standard scriptures.
0: Kierkegaard said, as an act of worship offered to God, we should renounce everything.
1: Worship begins with the renunciation of ulterior motives. Our only business is to love God, and a first-class religious system teaches its followers to love God without ulterior motive. Such worship cannot be checked by material considerations. In any condition, we can love God, and God will help us to love him.
0: Excellent. Thus ends the reading of chapter 7. We are Whoa. getting close to an hour here, so we should probably just go ahead and wrap up before we yeah. go over.
1: We can. Um, uh, we'll talk about these the up?
0: notes next. Yeah. Next time, we'll do a conversation based on these notes and yeah. try to get through everything like that. So, thank you everyone for listening. Don't forget to share yeah. with a friend, like, subscribe, comment, follow, all those smash things. Smash that!
1: one. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to smash
0: your screen in the process. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah. Yep. Thank you very all much. Right. Appreciate you.
1: Pleasure.